Hello, hello, and welcome to Art House Garage, the snob-free film podcast where we make art house, indie, classic, and foreign cinema accessible to the masses. I'm your host, Andrew Sweatman, and today on the show, we're discussing the latest film from director Wes Anderson, Asteroid City. Filmmaker and my friend Christopher Pistol returns to share his reactions to the film. Stick around. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Welcome to Arthouse Garage. It's always exciting when a new Wes Anderson film comes out. His films are always rich for discussion. Just before we get to that, there's an exciting film event coming up in Arkansas that I want to spread the word about. The 48-Hour Film Project is an annual competition that happens all over the world in which you, along with a small team, make a movie in 48 hours. If that sounds a little wild, I think that's kind of the point. I've had the great pleasure of seeing many films that came out of the 48-Hour Film Project, though I've never done it myself. But... The Little Rock Film Project is coming up August 25th through 27th. I was thrilled to speak recently with Celeste Shelton. She's the city producer for the Little Rock 48-Hour Film Project, and she stopped by the virtual recording booth the other day to tell us all about it. Here's my conversation with Celeste. I'm here with Celeste Shelton, city producer of the Little Rock 48-Hour Film Project. Celeste, welcome to the podcast, and how are you? I'm fine. Thank you, Andrew, for having me asking absolutely yeah and I, i've seen you on stage a couple times talking about 40 hour 48 hour film project and um i've always thought very highly of the the 48 hour film project i've never done it i'm actually excited to learn a little bit more right now as we talk to you about it so first off for people who have never heard of the 48 hour film project uh what is it well the 48 hour film project it is where you shoot edit a film in 48 hours um I'm a visual person, a visual learner. So this is how I sum it up. Cause if you can mm-hmm. take a ride with me, um, it's like an extreme sport. It's kind of mm-hmm. like sky. So it's kind of like, you know, you, uh, you know, get to the plane, which meaning that you're, you're gearing up for kickoff night. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you strap in for your assignment and what you got to do. And then when the instructor said, Hey, it's time to jump off the plane, there go your 48 <laughs> hours. So <laughs> And when you land, you just survived 48 hours. So if you could just think about that, I mean, it's crazy fun. It's exhilarating. I mean, I, it's chaotic and fun at the same time. I mean, you, you got to do it at least once, I will say. Yeah, it's something that's always been like in the back of my mind. Maybe I'll do this one day. I would love to. You should. Uh, so, I mean, for people like me, like I've, I've been on a film set once or twice, but I've never like worked on a film set. If you are a total newbie, I've never done that before. Uh, is it still for me or, or how does that go? Yes, Andrew, it's for, it's for everyone. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, we've had a family last year that participated. Oh, cool. um, it, it, the ages can go from, I think we had maybe a 10 year old, probably 11 year old to an 80 year old. Wow. I mean, it's literally for anyone. Um, 
I was a competitor myself. So before I became a CD producer. So, I mean, I didn't know a whole lot about film sets. I did a little bit. So I was a newbie. Uh, there was a lot of newbies on set. I mean, if, I mean, if you, if you want to make a film, if you even thought about being a script supervisor or director or writer or anything, I mean, this is it. This is, this is the platform for you to, to do that on. I mean, like I said, literally anyone can do this. So that's a question I have actually, is the script writing part of the 48 hours as well, or is the script writing oh, yeah. ahead of time? It's oh, part yes, of it too. Sir. So you're writing it, making it everything. Wow. Right. During kickoff night, you get your uh, three required elements and that yeah. is your character um your your uh your your genre what you know what mm. it's about um your line of dialogue and your prop mm. so i mean you don't know anything until you get there mm. Li literally you, you don't know build anything. your That's film around those those elements. around those three required oh. elements yes interesting yes. wow um well when is it coming up and how do we get involved um, it is kickoff, uh, as I mentioned before. It's going to be August uh, 25th through the 27th. It's going to be at the public theater um, from 6 uh, p.m. to 7 p.m. Um, you get your uh, required uh, elements uh, between that hour, 7 o'clock, you go. Um, right now, we have a few meet and greets um, that uh, is going on. We got one July the 22nd at the public theater as well. Um, it's a game night, um, networking. Uh, type mixer um and then i'll have another zoom um meet and greet and uh, august the 19th i don't have a time exact to be determined um but you can get involved by going to the website www.48hourfilm.com um you can also email me if you have any questions at little rock at 48hour.com uh, um also there's the facebook and instagram little rock film uh 48 hour film project so those are the um, you know, yeah. Online presence there. I'll link to all of that in the show notes so we can get to it really easily. Um, yeah, yeah I'm excited. Uh, I, I'm not yeah. sure if I'm busy that weekend. I'm going to try and do it this year, maybe. Um, but yeah. Is there anything else we need to know about the 48 hour film project? Oh yes. Yes. I just <laughs> announced, uh, recently my judges oh, for this cool. year. I'm very excited. So I say drum roll, please. Um, we have uh, the talented, uh, Miss Ashley uh, Atkinson. Oh um, yeah, she, cool. Yeah. Yes, you interviewed her. I did I, just I, recently. Yes. Yeah, she's going to be a judge, um, and she's known for, as we know, Black Klansman, um, Thirty Rock, uh, Boardwalk mm -hmm. Empire, like, and and the list goes on. Mm -hmm. And we have Barry uh, Clifton, uh, the talented oh, great. Clifton. Yes, he did Yellowstone. Um, he did God Is Not Dead. Um, he also uh, did Mind Cage, you know, et cetera. And then we have Michael Day. He is a, a fantastic filmmaker um, who's done countless films. Uh, I believe he's on the second season of The Sextons. Mm -hmm. And he was also uh, AT&T uh, Dream Black recipient. Oh, cool, yeah. Um, very, very talented uh, group of judges. I'm very excited about that. That is great. Yeah, some some great names there. Uh, well, I'm so excited. Uh, I hope everyone will check out the website and check out the social media. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, Celeste, for, for joining. And I hope people will, will join the film project this year. Yes, yes, please. Anybody, anybody, just come on. I mean, it's for all ages, all ages. So come out. Great way to spend a weekend, I think. Yeah.
I'm telling you, like, once yeah. you survive a 48 hour, I'm telling you, you can do anything. I that's promise. Right. Oh, that's cool. Well, thank you so much, Celeste. Hope wish you all the best and you're welcome back on the podcast anytime. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Andrew. This yeah. was fun. Thank you. Great. Huge thanks to Celeste for coming to tell us about the film project. I hope some of you listening will think about doing it this year. Everyone I've talked to who has done it before has said it is a very memorable experience. Find links in the show notes for more information. And now let's turn to today's film discussion. Wes Anderson is a big name in the film world, and it always feels like a bit of an event when he has a new film. His latest is Asteroid City, and like most of his movies, it has a lot going on and a lot of characters maybe more than usual. We talk about that in just a moment. But generally speaking, the film is about the making of a stage play. And for the bulk of the film, we watch that stage play unfold, but in a very cinematic fashion. The fictional asteroid city is a very small community in the middle of the desert, famous because an asteroid once landed there, leaving an enormous crater. Every year, stargazers and space enthusiasts gather to celebrate the history of the asteroid, and that's how we come to have so many people involved in this story. The lead in the play within the film is Augie Steenbeck, played by Jason Schwartzman. The film also stars Scarlett Johansson, Tom Hanks, Jeffrey Wright, Brian Cranston, Edward Norton, Jake Ryan, Maya Hawke, Rupert Friend, Liev Shriver, Sophia Lillis, Matt Dillon, Steve Carell, Tilda Swinton, Bob Balaban, Tony Revolori, Adrian Brody, Hong Chow, Jeff Goldblum, Willem Dafoe, and Margot Robbie, among others. It's truly an enormous cast. Joining me today is Christopher Pistol. You may have heard him on the show before discussing films like After Yang or Everything Everywhere All at Once as part of his South by Southwest reaction episode. Chris is the filmmaker behind a wonderful short called May, and he is also the creator of A Journey Through Cinema History which is an ongoing film project that you can watch on his YouTube channel. You can find that linked in the show notes of this episode, and I highly encourage you to check it out. All right, without further ado, here is my conversation with Christopher Pistol about Asteroid City. You're not here. We're not there. The car exploded. Come get the girls. I have to stay here with Woodrow. I'm not the chauffeur. I'm the grandfather. Where are you? Asteroid City, Farm Route 6, Mile 75. Junior stargazers and space cadets. Each year, we celebrate Asteroid Day, commemorating September 23rd, 3007 BC, when the arid plains meteorite made Earth impact. Holy Toledo, that's Mitch Campbell. You're very good in the one about the tramp in the brothel Thank who you. gets amnesia and Thank becomes you. a pediatrician. You were very awesome. Actually, maybe my favorite character ever. I don't know why nobody else liked it. Oh. Christopher Pistol, welcome back to the podcast. How are you today? I'm doing great, Andrew. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a while. I feel like I've seen you in person uh, a few times, but I haven't yeah. had you on the podcast. We went, we went to movies together. We did, yeah. One of, my, <laughs> one of my guests that's local and we're friends in real life. Yeah. Um, we, what did we see? We went and saw Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Uh huh. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was fun. We did. Yeah. Was a little, and then something else too. 
Yeah. What else did we watch? I don't remember. <laughs> I can't remember. There's something I new, just remember I in Nightmare on Elm Street, we were like one of like four people in the theater, which is <laughs> yeah. usually what happens. Yeah, I'm not even sure why they were plays in Arkansas. Replaying the, yeah. Yeah. No one comes to those, sadly. <laughs> but that was a fun time. Well, glad to have you back on the show. Um, you were asking me just before we start recording, why me? It's like, well, uh, it's been a while. And uh, I know you've seen this movie and I'm sure you have some thoughts and that's good enough for me. Oh, <laughs> so, I have thoughts. <laughs> well, let's get into Asteroid City then. So before we talk about this film, actually, okay. Uh, I feel like I have a pretty good idea of how you feel about Wes Anderson as a filmmaker. But for the listeners, how big of a fan would you say you are? I would say I'm a pretty, pretty big fan. Um <laughs> Yeah. yeah. In fact, uh, I, I, I don't think he gets quite um, as much respect as he probably deserves. I mean, partially mm-hmm. because I think he has kind of, you know, a, a, a sort of mainstream presence. He's kind of an anomaly yeah. of a filmmaker mm-hmm. in that he kind of has one foot in mainstream uh, awareness anyway. Mm-hmm. And then like one how one foot in the art house world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, his films almost have this sort of like crossover appeal. Yeah, he was like indie darling for a while, but that doesn't feel mm-hmm. right anymore because he's so big. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Royal Tenenbaums was like a big film, like that pretty yeah. much like hit like the sort of cultural zeitgeist for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think his films are accessible enough to where I think he's broken through the sort of art house barrier mm-hmm. and somewhat partially because his style is so distinct mm-hmm. that he's developed this like large group of detractors as well as fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I in an interview once I had a boss, uh, we were talking about movies. And then he said, I'm going to judge you based on this answer, but are you a Wes Anderson fan? Oh, no. And I was like, I mean, yeah, I, I am. And he was like, "Ugh, he's so pretentious. Oh, and I was no. like, well, I don't think you know what that word means. <laughs> like, I wouldn't really call funny. Wes Anderson pretentious because I think there's a certain self-deprecating nature to his mm. humor mm, that yeah. disqualifies him from being pretentious, even though he's, yeah, yeah definitely has like a, you know, a more intellectual aesthetic i guess yeah 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 i've been copycatted so many times i mean recently on social media it's like you can't get away from oh yeah there's a main blah blah blah. (laughs) yeah super intelligent those things (laughs) put put things in the middle of the frame and then put the music on it that's it Uh oh yeah really sort of distilling Uh, a very complex (laughs) and interesting style into those basic elements yeah but I'm always flummoxed by yes. people who also, when he releases another film, just like they roll their eyes and say, I can't stand this guy's movies. Like, why are you watching mm-hmm. them? What do you want? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's interesting. I, I, as far as my own fandom, I feel like I'm, I'm also a big fan. And mm-hmm. I think it was pretty formative. Like when I was I was in college, like getting into yeah, more definitely. movies and like starting to understand cinema as an art form. I feel like he was a big name. Like, oh, you got to check out Wes Anderson movies. And so like I yeah, watched the yeah he's a good gateway i think to like art house cinema as well i think so too yeah because he is that sort of that mainstream appeal um and mostly pretty accessible um yeah that's interesting but yeah i think early like in college i watched his movies all the time and then um yeah maybe it was the gateway so then i like started watching lots of other stuff and i haven't rewatched his old films in quite a while for the most part Mm -hmm. i'm trying to think last one i rewatched but yeah i think um, his like criterion top 10 was one of the first ones that i like heard about and read about and were like oh like what are all these like movies i've never heard of like yeah, there's yeah. max ophels and sort of diving into cool. the deeper like influences mm-hmm. um but i think like he really stands as his own as his own as like a you know one of our i think like really 
valued auteur directors mm-hmm. and yeah I, yeah it definitely makes me roll my eyes when i hear people sort of like criticize him and say that he should do something different and like, it makes yeah. me wonder if it, like at the height of ingmar bergman's career that people were like oh <laughs> i wish he'd do something completely different yeah. make an action movie <laughs> yeah ingmar exactly. bergman challenge yourself yeah like in you know 100 years are people gonna not be able to believe anyone ever had a negative thing to say about Wes Anderson. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That'd be interesting. interesting. Well, do you have a favorite Wes Anderson film? I do. I think um I I feel like I've I definitely think what counts me as a fan is I've definitely like rewatched his movies a lot. And then like 2 years ago I had a uh a grad school class uh that was a study on Wes Anderson and Paul Thomas Anderson. Paul so I rewatched all of their movies for that class and sort of compared and contrasted the two. Um, I think Grand Budapest Hotel might be for me, like his complete and like almost perfected style uh, to date that he's made. I think that one's just like a masterpiece. Um, But I'll always have like a real special place in my heart for Rushmore, just his like Mm -hmm, second mm -hmm. um, film. And he made that uh, film, you know, before he turned 30 and for me, it's very much a film like I associate with my youth in both the sort mm-hmm. of like mm-hmm. coming of age way and a nostalgic uh, sensibility to that one. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. I think it's also got some of like his best naturalistic performances. Um, yeah, and definitely like my favorite soundtrack of all time. I'll, I'll re-listen to that soundtrack like while I'm working all the time. Yeah, that's a great soundtrack. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think about it till just now, but like Jason Schwartzman is basically the lead of this, which he hasn't been. Yeah. Like, the lead since then probably which is interesting. yeah i mean he was in the darjeeling limited had kind of a big role oh, yeah. but of one of the three yeah kind of sharing it with two other actors but yeah this is like the first lead kind cool. of yeah i think i for a long time i would have said rushmore uh but then also grand budapest i think nice was my favorite but i actually love oh. the french dispatch so much that that that's one that i consider my favorite of his movies it's I've really good like, it's so, so it's so that's new for I me watched a lot yeah. yeah it's so new for me that i haven't um i don't think it's like completely even settled for me mm-hmm. on that one but i i did really love it and i i will go back to that yeah. one like probably more than some of the other ones i think it hit me just right because it was i mean literary world english major mm-hmm. like i love that stuff and i i also just love an anthology film and mm-hmm. so it like it hit a lot of buttons for me and i felt like was Wes Anderson at the height of his powers, and I was just like, "This is so so good." Yeah, man, I really really love it. I, I have a feeling we we'll, we might be looking back at the French Dispatch as like the beginning of like a new era, because I yeah. feel like French Dispatch and Asteroid City have like a very sort of like common thread, a very like common literary thread. That I'm I sure can't we'll wait to hear into. more about that. Yeah, but what <laughs> your thoughts on that? Because I have a little, maybe some that's a different, maybe a different angle to look at his films that I feel like this one feels like some of his older ones in a way. Anyway, we'll get into that. Mm. Um, well, how, how do you feel generally about Asteroid City? Would you say this is like top tier Wes Anderson or, or how do you feel about it? Yeah. So I've seen uh, Asteroid City twice now. I went and saw it nice. again uh, the other day. Uh, my wife couldn't go the first time. So I took her to see it uh, the, for a second time. And I think in this stage of Wes Anderson's career, his films feel, I think he's getting a little bit more dense with his material. Mm. And there was a lot that I felt I needed to unpack the first time. It yeah. definitely, I definitely was like, ha- I had more of a complex feeling coming out of it. Like I wasn't really sure what to feel about it or wasn't sure how exactly to, that I felt about it. Um, 
And I didn't have that reaction like when I saw Grand Budapest Hotel or even the French Dispatch. Mm-hmm. Um, coming out of those, I was like immediately like um, pretty floored by them. Um, but one thing I did love about it was that talking about Anderson's filmography is that everyone kind of has, you know, pretty differing opinions about which ones are better and which ones mm-hmm. affected them the most. Um, and for, I think that's, that has a lot to do with sort of his, like the emotional resonance of his material. I think some just hit differently than others. Like yeah. I know people who you think like their limited is their favorite because of the, you know, one reason or another. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I think the emotional through line for Asteroid City didn't like 100% land with me. Um, and that's kind of like a core element for me, like is his sort of, I guess, like point or emotional through line going to stick? Um, mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't really feel like it stuck with me. Uh, it kind of, you know, it culminates in this scene, which I don't know. I don't want to give too much away, but it definitely yeah, culminates in this could... scene yeah. uh, towards the end with uh, Jason Schwartzman and Margot Robbie. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the first time I saw the movie, I don't think I even really understood what that scene meant at all. Um, I think the second time I was able to unpack it a little bit more. Um, I think I was just kind of sideswiped by the the change of pace and the setting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I still don't fully understand. There's a scene towards the end with uh, all the actors sort of like chanting something together. And I don't yeah. even I want to get your thoughts on that because I don't I have, even I have I'm maybe not even theory, sure how I've I feel like, about it. I've really thought about like, what does that mean? Yeah, I've never I've, I've never felt more like I feel like confusion from the audience <laughs> surrounding me yeah. than I did. I think during that moment, it takes a hard left turn right there. It's kind of a weird moment. Yeah, yeah. I think it also for me, it lacks a little bit of a narrative momentum in the story that I, I usually love in his movies. I think at Grand Budapest Hotel has a great sort yeah. of like thrust to the narrative. Um, and this is more like a hangout movie. This is almost mm-hmm. kind of like a, um, it's a very much like, I mean, it's essentially a play. It's a, it's a film yeah. where characters get together in one location and they kind of are stuck there and stay there. Mm-hmm. And it's just about how they interact. Um, yeah. It kind of also reminded me of, uh, have you seen the movie True Stories? The Talking Heads no, film? No, I know of it. Mm. Oh man, you should definitely check it out if you yeah, liked this. That. Uh, that's a great little quirky movie about a small town in Texas. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think also this movie it really kind of like made me reflect on where Anderson is as a filmmaker as far as his age goes, because this definitely mm. feels like a filmmaker who's ex- who's who's exploring themes of middle age. Mm. Um, maybe you can talk a little bit about that too. But I felt like yeah, that was kind of the headspace of, that, of it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's mean, a very dense answer to your question. No, that's you okay. Like no, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna pick some pieces of that and run with them. Um, but yeah, I agree. Like thinking about like Rushmore feels like a movie that a young man made, you know, and this For doesn't sure. feel that way at all. And like it feels like he couldn't go back and make Rushmore now, you know, it, it right? Be the same film. Um, but but yeah, absolutely. I I agree. So like, I think I'm in the same place as you. Where, like, oh, well, having seen it once, I need to see it again to to understand mm-hmm. that ending a bit yeah. more. The Margot Robbie scene. But I do love like just before the Margot Robbie scene when, again, I don't want to spoil what exactly what happens, but there's a little bit of a shift. Um, there's a within catharsis, the construct. Yeah. yeah, within the construct, the, the conversation he has with Adrian Brody. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my kind of favorite moment of the movie uh, because I think it kind of gets at the core theme. But I agree, like, at least on first watch, this isn't like, oh, man, this is my, my new favorite Wes Anderson. It didn't hit me in the mm-hmm. same way. Um, emotionally like you're talking about i agree that it feels a bit more meandering narratively and I, exactly what you're saying about grand budapest really has this narrative drive and so does 
French Dispatch, I think it has a nice, like the, the pacing of the movie is just really quick and like fun, yeah. but also slows down for those emotional moments. And I think that's, for me, that's the marriage of like thinking about his older films as mostly a little bit more um, slower paced. And so what I wrote in my French Dispatch review was like, I think there's a certain like, some of his earlier films, I wouldn't use the word warmth to some of the performances like uh but i but then i would for some of his later ones thinking about mm-hmm. like okay like camera pausing on someone they say a line really slowly you know like back and forth <laughs> and that, that can i mean i think people who don't connect with that like oh it's too robotic it's not it doesn't feel real or whatever mm-hmm. um which it, it's not like i have a complaint about that but that is i feel like something that has changed a bit over the years think about grand budapest as a definitely there is some real warmth to those characters um mm-hmm. And then I felt the same in French Dispatch as well. And this, to kind of what I was saying earlier, it feels like it's almost going back to some of those, like, um, thinking about, like, the Royal Tenenbaums or... Um, uh, more mannered. Uh, Darjeeling, yeah, more mannered, more like... That's a, that's a good word, mannered. And sort of... Um, like, thinking about, like, Jason Schwartzman and Scarlett Johansson, their relationship in this, like... I like... You feel their connection, but it's not, like a big sweeping romantic, you know, warm right. relationship, you know, right. it feels not clinical is not the right word, but it's, um, <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't have just a, a standoffish a little bit. Yeah. Maybe that. Maybe. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. So anyway, this, not that it felt like a step back in his, his style or anything like that, but actually I know it's intentional, like, but it did feel like this reminded me of his older movies in that mm-hmm. way. Um, which is not, again, not necessarily saying that's good or bad, but I definitely connect more with French Dispatch yeah. or, or Grand Budapest. Um, but yeah, so like this wasn't an immediately one that I thought, oh, wow, like, this is my favorite movie of the year or anything like that. But I did really like it. And I had a lot of mm. um, a lot of moments that I really connected with. And yeah. I think thinking about it, as you just said, as a Hangout movie will really help me on a second watch to probably uh, just connect with it a bit more because, I, again, I did really like it. But um, yeah. I think taking it in is sort of almost like a play as well, because it you're basically you are watching a sort of like movie within a play or perhaps a play within a movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> All those layers. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of multiple layers. So thinking of it, I think on that level and the fact that the characters are all playing, they're playing characters, but they're playing characters who are also these other characters underneath. Yeah. <laughs> so they're basically uh-huh. like having to play their characters as performed by the actors that they're also performing portraying. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's, there's multiple <laughs> levels of it to kind of to, to dig through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's another thing to key into more on a second watch to really appreciate because yeah, it's not just Jason Schwartzman playing the character in the play. It's whatever his actor mm-hmm. name is. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, and it, it, that is a very Andersonian feeling touch because I think forever he's, he's had this um, like he's he's not going for realism exactly in his style, right? He he wants. Oh, no. I think Rushmore opens with the the, the curtain opening. The up. curtains, like, yeah. Like we're watching a constructed thing. Like that's the point, um, and that's what he, uh-huh. he wants us to be aware of. That. And I think I can't remember exactly how the Grand Budapest opens, but there's like a few layers of the story. Like we're within a book, yeah, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. And so here we're actually it's a television broadcast about the history of the play. And then we're seeing the play within that as well. And so mm-hmm. then we jump back and forth between those layers and playing with that, I think is, is really fun and uh, gets to that, that scene that I love with, with Adrian Brody at the end. Um, yeah. I know a lot of people say that some of his like uh, earlier films have a lot more spontaneity because he wasn't able mm-hmm. to control every 
like mm-hmm. element of he's doing a lot more sort of like on location shooting and not controlling completely every element of production and obviously he likes to control every element of of the production design and production so this he literally like built a city out in the desert uh in spain so everything is exactly to his you know particular how he likes it and down to like the the background mountains which obviously you know look like or or intentionally look like you know paintings they're yeah on the stage within the film yeah yeah, and it's also like thinking about the control with his stop motion films, uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox and and Isle of Dogs, mm-hmm. which I also I would say Isle of Dogs is another top tier. I really, really love Isle of Dogs, but this okay. kind of marries the two really well because I mean it's such a constructed thing, even though we're working with real actors. But then there's also like the stop motion Roadrunner that's running around, mm-hmm. and um, I also saw a few back behind the scenes images of. Like a, a guy in a green green suit, like um, yeah, controlling a little stuff. puppet. It's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he brings some puppetry in here, and and again, like having such a constructed world. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, makes it. That's exactly funny you mentioned you Isle of Dogs because I think I wrote down that I'd probably put this like I f- the ones that it feels similar to to me are Isle of Dogs and Life Aquatic, which yeah, I think I would put like lower on the on, on yeah. my list though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so that's maybe why maybe why I struggled with this one a little bit more. Like hmm. it it feels like there was a sort of like an emotional um, break that needed to happen that I didn't think quite happened. Like mm-hmm. there's you know a big sort of like brawl breakout fight at the end, like sort yeah. of chaos. But <laughs> but I don't know. I didn't. I don't know. It almost seemed like we needed to have something a little bit more, something a little bit more dramatic yeah it's funny too because in the first segment of the french dispatch the one with benicio del toro mm-hmm. there's a big fight at the end of that and that one felt a lot more visceral and like i cared more yeah. <laughs> about it you know yeah, yeah, um, yeah. so yeah maybe this film is more of an intellectual exercise more than emotional because uh, that's the experience too so, like yeah. my my favorite moment uh, which i'm gonna reference a couple of times that adrian brody conversation isn't one where i was just like oh now i'm crying it's it's more just like mm-hmm. oh that's really thought-provoking and like i really like that this is where the film went mm-hmm. uh, yeah that's interesting yeah which I, I don't think wes anderson is like i don't think that's he does that all the time because i some of his yeah. movies do make me cry yeah um, me too mm-hmm. despite what some people will say about him being like emotionally <laughs> distant i yeah, yeah, i yeah. disagree i totally disagree with that i think mm-hmm. some of his movies are extremely uh emotionally um uh relevant but mm-hmm. yeah this one definitely felt more like a sort of a cathartic like yeah ah yes than Mm -hmm. a than a ooh i really felt that one and some people uh, i've seen like mostly people are really liking this one and mostly yeah i've seen a lot of like strong reactions to this one saying it's like their favorite wes anderson movie in years people say that too it's really having an emotional impact on them so i think it's definitely uh, wes anderson his like filmography to me almost seems like a rorschach test of like hmm. you know what what kind of hits you harder this or this and sort of yeah, like where yeah. do you find it yeah it's interesting. i've seen a couple people like ranking and putting this really high and i want to look back and see like if this is in some way hearkening back to some of his older films if you oh his new mm-hmm. stuff isn't as good but then this feels like his old stuff you know maybe people are connecting with it on that level yeah um, yeah would you have any favorite moments you wanted to highlight from the film um hmm I think Jason Schwartzman and Scarlett Johansson, I think their chemistry is my favorite aspect of the film. Yeah. Like I said, this film feels more, rel- more, um, I think it feels more like palpable to a, like, 
a middle-aged sort of crisis mm. i mean the whole film is sort of about this crisis crisis of existence or meaning yeah. in the universe kind of yeah, thing exactly mm-hmm. um and there's i think that he tries to like cover it from every demographic because we have kids um mm-hmm. these sort of like intellectual you know brainiac kids and then we yeah. have like uh the tom hanks is the grandfather and then we have some characters sort of in between but i think that the you know the jason schwartzman and the scarlett johansson characters i think have the best sort of chemistry and i think they handle the mm-hmm. like their storyline probably the best so all the scenes with them like they pretty much always communicate via a window like they're always mm, yeah. in separate cabins talking like each other through the windows the, yeah. so mm-hmm. yeah another sort of great metaphor for their relationship of keeping them sort of separate mm-hmm. um but together and like all those scenes i love like yeah i thought those were some of the best scenes in the movie I agree. But I think it, it it's also hard because you have so many characters in this movie. So a lot of times yeah. when it would cut to the other characters, they might only have like two scenes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of hard to, I think, connect as much to that, to that side of the movie. I'll agree. And that, that is a, another kind of complaint. Maybe is not the right word, but just another thing that I didn't, uh, he's had large casts before, but this one is so large that like some he of these usually- characters, we yeah, barely he usually has large casts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but this one is, is, yeah, really big. And so, like, Lee Shriver, I feel like mm-hmm. I don't remember much about his character after a one No. <laughs> and, like, some of those other people that are like, oh, this would probably be interesting to explore a little bit more. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's interesting. But, yeah, I love uh, a, a few of my favorite moments. Again, I've referenced that the conversation a bunch of times. But then, yeah, it's what you're saying. Like, is there... A meaning is kind of like the biggest theme in the way that comes mm. in. Um, maybe there is a meaning, and and getting at that, getting at the meaning of life through art, I think is a really cool um, kind of bent to to look at that because like he's struggling to understand how to play his part, right? Jason Schwartzman's character, right? Uh, the actor level character, not the character within the character. All of that, kind of um, both though. <laughs> yeah, I think I think both. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I think that's a, a cool way to do that. I love the the first ceremony, which I won't spoil again what happens there, like within the crater, the surprising thing that happens where we also get a little mm-hmm. stop motion moment, which mm-hmm. is fun. Um, another thing I won't spoil, but Jeff Goldblum's cameo is really funny, like yeah. the part that he ends up playing. Uh, but then, yeah, that scene with Margot Robbie, even though I don't feel like I fully understand it within the context of the movie, uh, it still, it feels really special. And, and I like the connection that they form there kind of they're sort of on the margins of of what they're each doing and looking through a window at each other in a way kind of like uh right. Johansson character so that, that hit it, me it, the second time i watched it it's like yeah. oh they I are like think of that having a conversation now, so. <laughs> yeah they're having a conversation on two balconies separated from each other exactly like mm-hmm. every conversation he's pretty much had with scarlett johansson mm-hmm. throughout this movie yeah wow it's also like <laughs> sometimes i watch a movie then have a podcast where like, Oh, I know I understand it better. And then I can watch it again and really understand. So if you really uh-huh. want to understand this movie, make a podcast about it. And then maybe watch yeah. it again. I'll have to go back <laughs> no. and take that class that I took at grad school again and try there and add these couple movies. <laughs> the, the last two movies yeah. he's made to that, to that curriculum and see where it lands. Yes. It was funny because yeah, I, that class was really okay. split on people that liked either Wes Anderson or Paul Thomas Anderson better. Hmm, and it was almost like it was like an antagonistic, relationship uh, wow. <laughs> fight mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> um some other just actors i really like in this performance is the the guy who plays um 
can't remember his name. The son, Jason Schwartzman's son. Yes. I don't know his character's name right now. I'm going to look it up really quickly, but I thought he did a great job in this movie mm-hmm. and like his character is really interesting. Um, I, I could tell that Wes Anderson liked him all the way back. He was in Moonrise Kingdom. He played like okay, one yeah, of the I knew he little brothers. Somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And Wes that. Anderson put him on the, the Criterion commentary track to like moderate it. Really? So nice. Wes Anderson and the, <laughs> and the kid, he was much younger than he was probably like around 10 or nine or so. Um, he asked him like call up Bruce Willis or, or Edward Norton and stuff during the commentary. <laughs> it's really funny. Woodrow listen. is the character name and the actor is Jake Ryan. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which he has a very particular kind of look to him and, and mm-hmm. like believable as Jason Schwartzman's son, which is funny. And then, uh, yeah, yeah. Just the, the awkward teenager kind of some of the things I love about Moonrise Kingdom, like just the, the awkwardness of adolescence, like he brings mm-hmm. that energy a little bit to this. Yeah. Um, and, and just all the, the prodigy children are, are good. Sophia mm-hmm. Lillis. I really like from, she's from it chapter one uh, and two. Yeah. Uh, Tom Hanks is interesting in this. I think it's, you know, it's his first time in a Wes Anderson movie. And it's like, sometimes bringing an actor you're so familiar with into this, like very particular kind of, style of filmmaking is, is a little jarring but i thought it was i really liked him in this um yeah yeah i thought he could have been utilized a little bit better i mean he yeah uh, yeah i don't know that that part almost felt like uh i was like we were almost i almost felt like i was paying more attention to it than i sh- was supposed to because mm-hmm. i i have a i have a sneaking suspicion that bill murray was just unavailable <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had that thought. Like, this feels like a Bill Murray role. Although I thought oh, yeah. that Bill Murray's role was the one Steve Carell ended up having because he had Bill Murray had COVID when they made this, and they so he couldn't uh, do it. So okay. I'm pretty sure that was Steve Carell's role, which is interesting because his role I also felt like very forgettable. <laughs> I think, oh in, yeah, like, in Bill Murray's hands, that could have been a really funny little character. Uh, but I, I did feel like. Yeah, so it's kind of the same thing with Tom Hanks. It's like I'm paying attention to the fact that this is Steve Carell, and um, how right. does he fit into the Wes Anderson style of <laughs> filmmaking and acting? And it's, uh, yeah, I, I just felt like maybe more could have been done there. Uh, yeah. And it feels like, yeah, I, I thought about it as because he, he keeps saying like, "Yes, absolutely, I understand." As people are complaining mm-hmm. and stuff, um, which yeah. I think could have been really funny from Bill Murray. But it I don't, wasn't I don't funny. like, I don't, I don't have a problem with Wes Anderson, like having such a large cast, but usually mm-hmm. what he does with it is that it usually sort of like um, all the, you know, the, all of the sort of like secondary characters are, are sort of there to support the like focus of the main mm-hmm. characters. Like, like yeah. everyone, all the side characters in Grand Budapest hotel, they're all, you know, circling around. Um, yeah. Ray finds his character and sort of everything that mm-hmm. he does like affects them. And this felt a little bit more like, you know, we, we have our main characters and then we have some of these characters will go over for just a little bit and come back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I remember watching when I was watching his filmography, like straight through when we hit Darjeeling Limited, that felt like a big change because mm. all of a sudden all the side characters go away and we're kind of just left with three. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I don't ever watch them through an order like that. I think I've just jumped around. That would be a good mm-hmm. exercise to do one day. Um, yeah. Well, any other thoughts about uh, Asteroid City? Final final word on the film? Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like with most, it's hard to almost like recommend Wes Anderson films to people who either uh, haven't, you know, I feel, feel like at this point people are either going to like head out to see yeah. it 
as soon as they can, mm-hmm. or they're just like, no, I'm not interested. <laughs> and yeah. and I don't think you can sway the people who are interested mm-hmm. aren't interested at this point. Um, Cause yeah. it's not like you're saying like, Oh, this is like no other Wes Anderson film before. I mean, right. I think you pretty mm-hmm. much know what you're getting into. Yeah. Um, uh, I and, think maybe and, with like the Grand Budapest, you can be like, okay, if you don't love Wes Anderson, still watch this. It's really funny. You might connect. Oh yeah, for maybe sure. Maybe not so much with this movie, you know? So, yeah, yeah. This is, I this think is that's a Wes movie. You, you, if you know what you're in for with that, you're going to like it or not kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's a really safe bet. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really looking forward to his next movie, which is a, a, apparently a short film. Oh, that's going to be on Netflix. Um, it's uh, called Henry Sugar. It's, it's was it a Roald Dahl thing? I think it is. Yeah, it's a Roald nice. Dahl connection. Oh, yeah. But it has Richard Ayoade in it, who's one of my favorite <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> directors slash actors. And uh, yeah. and this like Wes Anderson pairing feels like a match made in heaven. Absolutely. I didn't know all that. I, I knew that Netflix had like purchased all the Roald Dahl rights. And I think mm. I at some point heard Wes Anderson was going to do something. That's yeah. really cool. That's I thought it was going to be his next feature. And I was a little, little disappointed to hear it, it was mm. just a short, but I'm still looking forward to it. Yeah, that'll be cool. Well, Asteroid City, still playing in theaters, uh, recommended by both of us, I think, uh, even if, yeah. you know, neither of our favorite Wes Anderson or whatever. But yeah, <laughs> I think it's I a do... soft recommendation, but still a recommendation. <laughs> yeah, I do really like it. I, I, I do want to see it again, hopefully while it's still in the theater. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on the show again, Chris. Always love hearing your thoughts and uh, appreciate your time. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. Huge thanks to Chris. I always really appreciate it when he comes on the show. And stay tuned. The plan for next time is to continue the Aronofsky series with a look at Black Swan and Requiem for a Dream. And after that, the plans are still being formed, but we will likely have an episode on Oppenheimer and planning to discuss the new horror film Talk to Me in a few weeks. I also have a few more episodes coming out of the Bentonville Film Festival in the works, so those will be dropping as bonus episodes in the next few weeks. And with that, thank you, thank you for listening to Art House Garage. We have a few years' worth of episodes now. You can hear all of those in your podcast app of choice. Our theme music is by composer Paul Hunefeld. Learn more at appallingproductions.com. If you want to support Art House Garage, become a patron over at patreon.com slash arthousegarage or find a link in the show notes. And you can also buy an Art House Garage t-shirt at arthousegarage.com slash shop. If you want to support us without spending any money, leave a rating or review in your podcast app, and that is hugely helpful. Stay in the loop about Arthouse Garage and the films we're covering by subscribing to our email newsletter. That's at arthousegarage.com slash subscribe, or you can email me directly, Andrew, at arthousegarage.com. And of course, follow on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Just search at Arthouse Garage in all those places, or find links in the show notes. And that will do it for this episode. Thank you again so much for listening. And until next time, keep it snob free.